welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and today I'm only joined by one of my regular co-hosts, but we also have a guest. Uh, we do. Um, so this is Anya, writer at Gay Star News. I am uh, here this week. HT is off uh, covering the Tribeca Film Festival in New York, being a very busy important film journalist like she is um but that's okay because willoughby and i are using this opportunity to invite one of our very dear friends to do a deep dive into star wars um so this week we are joined by diana say hello hello so diana and i met on we are like og live journal friends we met years ago i i'm pretty sure i was probably still in high school I think it was a friending meme for like once upon a time. And I like found you because you were friends with another one of my good friends. And I'm like, yeah. I recognize this handle. I'm going to friend them. We all just kind of ran in those similar circles. And so Diana and I have been friends for years. And then I sort of made her and Willoughby become friends. Yeah, you yeah. visited D.C. in 2016. Oh, right, we got drinks together. Yeah. We went to Toro Toro in D.C., and we all got drinks, and we were like, oh, this is so much fun. Let's talk about Anakin Skywalker in front of Anya, who doesn't <laughs> like him. And we were like, the Revenge of the Sith novelization is so good. And Anya was like, oh, I should have done this. <laughs> I made, I, I regret everything. Um, yeah, because at the time, both Diana, uh, well, Diana was living in D.C. at the time, and Willoughby still lives there, and I was visiting, so the three of us all got together. Um, and we all really love Star Wars, which is what is bringing us together for this episode. Uh, this weekend was May the 4th, which the you might have noticed from, like, social media posts that people were like, oh, it's like Star Wars Day, like, May the 4th. It's kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You might have noticed. It was like a... It was like a fan thing, and then, like, in 2013, 2014, like, they they made it, like, an official, like, brand thing. And now it's like, oh, you can get, like, Star Wars branded things. Like, like the StarWars.com was like, hey, all the video games are on sale on May the 4th weekend. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, they really they sort of capitalized on it. But it was really, I think it was originally, like, a fan, like, hashtag or something. Yeah. 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 And then, like, there's today's, like, Revenge of the Fifth. Oh, mm-hmm. right. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Disney happy Land Revenge does. of the Fifth to you all. Happy Revenge of the Fifth. Um, so will it be an and I have talked about our love of Star Wars many times on this podcast, um, and we're going to do that more today. But first, Diana, um, since our listeners don't know you or your love of Star Wars quite as well as they know me and Willoughby, um, can you share with us kind of how you came to Star Wars and what it's meant to you over the years? Sure. So um, growing up, I was actually more of a Star Trek person, like through age six, because like, DS9 and Voyager were airing. My dad had all the movies that were like released at that point on VHS, and I would watch the one with the whales constantly. A good one. (laughs) A good. I love that one. Who doesn't? (laughs) But then uh, the special editions came out, and my dad was like, you know what, I'm going to take Di to see these. And I was hooked. Like, I just remember being in the theaters and watching the crawl scroll up and just be falling in love with Star Wars and I was lucky that my school library at the time actually had like a bunch of the kid like the kids books so oh, like nice so like the Anakin uh, solo books the Jason and Jaina books um the Jedi Prince books which um have you guys read those because I've not no, I haven't. oh my I cannot explain how <laughs> weird those books are there's aside there's like 
moth grand moths at a moth friends they say dark greetings um <laughs> so they like really dive into like the evil aspect of the empire they're like hello and good evil day to you ah yes evil day to you too i'm like i'm just picturing like handmaids being like blessed be the fruit but like sith or like grand moths the admirals like grand moth tarkin going like oh yes happy death day to you too <laughs> <Aha>. sheave <laughs> but wait, it's called jedi prince so it's like does it follow like a jedi so i oh my god <laughs> not so the jedi prince is this kid named ken who turns out as palpatine's grandson <laughs> no sheave had a kid and that kid had a kid well, oh, I get this. Chief's kid had three eyes. <laughs> oh, because of like Wait, Sith mutants. Who did who did who did Chief sleep with? Who slept with Chief? I don't know. It's like I cannot fully explain. Like the ridiculous... these canonical at the time. This is amazing. No, they were not like okay. at the time. They were like a level of ridiculous. But like I, inc- if you ever get a chance to like flip through them. I highly encourage you to do it because words cannot do justice to what how age bad. range was like this aimed at. Uh, young readers, so it was like not mid, like not Rick Riordan middle grade, but like a step below that. Okay, okay, that's so weird. It's it's weird, but anyway, so. <laughs> Ending that tangent, um, and then uh, The Phantom Menace came out, and I, again, fell in love. Um, I kind of fell off a bit, like, once Revenge of the Sith came out, but then I fell back in dur- with um, Star Wars The Clone Wars, and I haven't left. That's that's a good time to come back and never leave. Um, so, what was it about Star Wars that, like, because we are also a pro-Star Trek podcast willoughby and i have discussed trek we we love both in this household we are all childs of two worlds as sarek once said in a jj <laughs> abrams film <laughs> so you know we do love star trek um for a lot of reasons but so what was it about star wars specifically that fascinated you diana like when you when you saw it what do you remember like being drawn into i just like the scope of it like the good versus evil like i'm firmly team rebel alliance but like are you yeah, you can't see this on the podcast, but I am currently sitting on a book throne with a Rebel Alliance symbol in it. Okay, but, like, you love Anakin Skywalker. He is my trash son. Um, Anya, we'll talk about trash sons. You chatting us last night about a certain Kip Duran. Yeah, like... Listen. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. So, anyway, so the scope of it, you loved really, like, kind of the good and evil. It was very much, like, the more classic hero's journey. Yeah, and, like, I loved Leia. I loved Han and Leia. Um, and then when The Phantom Menace came out, like, Obi-Wan and the Queen, and it was just, I loved it all. Yeah, I get that. I mean, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, like, still break my heart. <laughs> like, uh, I so I'm currently reading Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray, which is the new novel about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan one. Obi-Wan 17, and he and Qui-Gon are going through a rough patch, and it's so good. And... Wait, I am going to Goodreads right now and adding this to my to-read oh, list. Oh, yeah, the, we we were talking, that's what the book, well, that's what Master and Apprentice is about. It's about Qui-Gon and oh, Obi-Wan's 
I did not for no, minutes. I haven't read Star any Star Wars books in like years. I've been mostly keeping up with the comics lately, but like uh anything with Qui Gon and Obi Wan, I want so thank you. Okay. Then but, um, yeah. And then um it's also making me like want to track down the old Jedi Apprentice books that from Legends with Qui Gon and Obi Wan, um, just because like those were great. And those are no longer canon, correct? No. Okay. So basically so, it's that's anything so- that's been published post force awakens is canon everything anything prior is not well so 2014 yeah because um i want to say it was star wars a new dawn which was the rebels tie-in that was like the start of the publishing program yeah okay so i think the last book that came out that was technically can like ledge it's now legends quote unquote like all books have been rebranded that are prior to 2014 as star wars legends might have been the last one i guess it was star wars um i know the acronym is swear hat um star wars age of empire and rebellion honor among thieves which is um that's why i remember the acronym it's swear hat that's an excessive title i know um but yeah it was like part of they were doing um it was supposed to be a series of three books focused on the main trio. And so there was um, Razor's Edge, which was Leia, Honor Among Thieves, which was um, Han, and then Heir to the Jedi got mm-hmm. to new to the new canon, which I wish it hadn't because it's not that good of a book. Okay. Um, so, well, let's dive into the books since we're already kind of here. Um, and we have all read uh, Star Wars books um so like i said i haven't really kept up with the books um since like the new ones became canon um although clearly i need to do some catching up um i have been reading some of the comics um i'm mostly caught up with poe dameron because reasons um but i remember i read the books when i was younger um so the legends mostly um and i you know i really came in during um the sort of next generation of Star Wars characters, so like Han Leia's kids and Mara Jaden, Luke's child, um, and so like the like Jaina and Jocelyn, um are Han and Leia's twins, their first kids. Oh, do you say Jocelyn? I thought it was pronounced Jason. Oh, is it Jason? I always I always thought it was Jason. Jaina and Jason. That makes more sense. They like flow together. Okay, Jaina and Jason. Um, so I came in when like they were like becoming teens and adults and figuring out their way in the world. Um, And I remember, like, Jaina was my girl. Like, she was this, like, badass, like, pilot and Jedi. And I remember just thinking she was the coolest shit in the galaxy. Um, And for the record, if anyone is out there listening and they have thoughts about this, Jaina and Jag forever. I do not ship her with anyone else. It is only Jaina and Jag for me. Did you survive the Jaina Solo ship wars? Huh? Did you survive the Jaina Solo ship wars? Barely. I like I, I I have come out on the other side alive, but not unscathed. Um, and that is why I'm just stating my preference here that I am fully Team Jag, always. See, I never really read the Legends books growing up. I've I've really um was more of like the movie and video game guy, and then like the novelizations of the movies. And then, cause I think it always scared me to try and dive into the books because there's like, there's like, 
13 X-Wing books. There's like a ton of New Jedi Order books. Like there were so many series that I was just like, I don't know where to start. So what I did was the Cheater's Guide, which was I read the entire Star Wars uh, History of the Galaxy book that they put out in like 20, no, 2008, 20, 2000. Like it was after Revenge of the Sith have come out. And like it was before Disney had bought Lucasfilm. Like it was just like comprehensive, like summarization of the 25,000 years of the galaxy through and basically summarized like all the canon stories from like way before the empire to uh to the like rise of the empire to after the empire to the new republic like all of the old republic new republic stuff like so i'm very familiar with like names and terms but i never really like no through that i know who these are i know who these characters are like and i know the differences between the, the legends and stuff but what and so, like, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I was much more like re- watching the movies a lot and like uh, watching Clone Wars and much more of like the visual imagery of Star Wars yeah. um, and the video games and stuff. But recently, with the uh, now that I, they've sort of like wiped it the, full, the the slate clean and started a new canon, quote new canon, the uh, um, I've been reading all of those books and now yeah. I, I have a firm grasp on what's going on in the new canon one thing i will say about star wars is that they do play fast and loose with canon yeah. particularly with the fact that they can just draw from the, the old canon and and pop those characters in and be like they were always in the canon right. what are you talking like, about <laughs> like for example one of the most prominent villains after return of the jedi is grand admiral thrawn and they brought him and which was like a, a bestseller the, his trilogy was like the the, uh, the old version of episodes seven, eight, and nine. Um, I think he had another trilogy after that. Like he's he was like a big bad after Palpatine, and it was really interesting when they decanonized all those stories, and then they were like, well, actually, uh, we're bringing Thrawn back. So right. like they they have this ability to take anything that was in the old canon and be like, well, because we haven't like proven that he doesn't exist we can put him back in so it's this really fascinating like pick and choosing of what they want to bring back uh from yeah. legends so it's like one of those things like thrawn is canon now but like jaina and jason will like never be canon right sort of J- they, will Jaina, pick, they pick and choose exactly like jason solo is now or i guess anakin no J- well, jason was the bad turn yeah, Sith, right became the Sith. yeah jason basically is ben solo kylo ren in terms of like being like the Sith Lord son of Han Solo and Princess Leia. Right. Do you have thoughts about that, Diana? I mean, so I wasn't actually, so in terms of books, I read like the Bantam era stuff. So like the Thrawn books, the X-Wing books, I never like, and um, like the Young Jedi Knights, Junior Jedi Knights books, but I never like got into like the New Jedi Order. And so like, okay, now I'm starting to read the New Jedi Order for, um, there's a podcast called The Vongcast. Okay. <laughs> About the use on Vong? Yeah. Um, where well, they're, we're really in the weeds today. Yeah, I know. Um, where they're going through um, and reading the New Jedi Order book by book. And so I'm very behind. Um, but, like, that's how I'm, like, dipping my toes into the New Jedi Order. But I, like, wasn't really interested in, like, the super interested in, like, the post-Return of the Jedi stuff. So most of the ones I read were, like... Um, the Clone Wars tie-ins, there was um, two books that tied in to 
the Clone Wars series that are basically Anakin and Obi-Wan's No Good, Very Bad Day. And <laughs> there's another one, which is Anakin and Bail Organa's Terrible Road Trip. And there's legit canon art from that that has Bail Organa carrying Obi-Wan over his shoulders. Oh and my Obi-Wan god. So annoyed. And it's great. It's called Clone Wars Wild Space. And I really like that one. That's incredible. We should specify for anyone who maybe doesn't know, um, although I have a feeling if you're not like a hardcore Star Wars fan, you might have already tuned out, but um, <laughs> the new the new Jedi Order is part of the Star Wars Legends, so no longer canon. Um, it was a book series about these characters I mentioned, about like Han and Leia's children. So they have Jaina and Jocelyn twins, and then they have um, their son, Anakin, their youngest son, Anakin. And then um, Luke and Mara Jade have their son, Ben. Um, so it's kind of about like Luke and... Han and Leia are all still very much present in the New Jedi Order, um, but uh, it really does follow the kids and kind of, like, their coming of age and, like, how they start in going into this galaxy. And so, like, I read the entirety of the New Jedi Order when I was younger, um, and that's that's really the books I'm most familiar with. I didn't really read any of the books that, like, you're talking about, Diana. Like, I didn't really read any of, like, Phantom Era or even, like, you know, original trilogy era books. I really started, like, post-movies New Jedi Order read all of them and then sort of fell off. Um, but they're fun. I'm glad you're reading them, Diana, because like, I do love them. Like, even though they're not canon anymore and I don't mind, I think it was smart of Lucasfilm and everyone to kind of like wipe that slate clean because of this new era we're in. Um, but I still have a fondness for them. Like I'm always going to love Jaina Solo. Like and she's true. always going to be one of my heroes. And it's a little weird for me because, like, I can see why people are really fond of them, but I'm only, like, five books in. And, like, for me, they're just kind of fine. And I I, I feel like for me, like, if I went back to reread them, I feel like I'd probably be more critical of them. But I feel like I read them at an age, like a middle school age, where I just thought they were, like, really cool. And so, like, I feel like I love them mostly out of nostalgia these days. Um, And I still have favorite characters and everything. Um recommend listening to the Vong cast because okay. like, um, the woman who hosted Rocky, Megan, and Bria, like, they're also coming at it from, like, you know, having read them years ago, they're really fond of them, and so they, like I said, they've been going book by book. Okay. Um, and they're doing their best, like, just to focus on, like, the particular book and what came before and not, like, um, go too far ahead of, like, what's happening. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, again, they're not canon anymore, but they are fun. Um, but you guys mentioned Phantom a lot. You guys are both kind of big Phantom-era Star Wars fans. Um, and I feel like I am less so in that boat, because um, I have feelings about Anakin Skywalker. And I actually have not watched Clone Wars yet. I know I need to. I know I'm like... Yes, like sacrilege. I know. Um, the best part is you'll have that ability on Disney Plus. Yeah, I Clone know. Wars and Rebels will be there. I'm so excited. Um, so let's talk about kind of the prequel trilogy and the shows that followed because they're very kind of controversial in the Star Wars realm. I kind of divisive, come at them, you would say. <laughs> divisive. I come at them as like I'm glad they exist and like I saw them at an age where I was still young enough to be like amazed by them. Um, I will say, like, now I, I do objectively think they are not very good films. Like, I genuinely believe they're 
not very good. Um, but I'm glad I had them when I did because they did re-spark that love of Star Wars in me um, in a big way. So what are you guys, you guys know this era a lot more better than I do. So what are you guys' like feelings about the prequel movies, the shows that came after that whole time? Um, hey. Willoughby. Diana, go ahead. Go ahead. You're our guest. I love them. Uh, <laughs> and I think for me, part of it is just like, there's this sense of tragedy and inevitability about them that where, especially because like, I'm, I rewatched Phantom Menace last night and the part where Anakin says, I'm a person and my name is Anakin just like stabbed me in the gut because he's so determined to be his own person to like, not just, you know, be a slave, not just be property. And in the end, he like through both his choices and the institutions around him failing him and the machinations of Sheev. Um, I'm sorry. But we is, should say is not that, everybody knows. I, I, I talked about this on the trailer reaction uh, because Sheev is back. Sheev is back. Um, Sheev Pal- Palpatine's first name is Sheev. And it's the most ridiculous thing. And it wasn't revealed until Tarkin, I believe the uh, book Tarkin, where they, where he was like, oh yes, I have a dinner date with Sheev tonight. It's like, okay, his name is just Sheev Palpatine. Like, no wonder. Like, I, I'm, my theory is that George Lucas never gave him a first name, but it's just funny to think that, like, for 40 years we've been calling him Emperor Palpatine or Darth Sidious or Senator Palpatine or Chancellor Palpatine, but his first name is just sheev i know it's like steve but someone it's like sean connery saying steve it's just so good sorry i interrupted no it's fine like i also find that hilarious um but yeah there's just this sense of tragic and inevitability and um and especially like the jedi order failed anakin so badly and I'm reading uh, in Master and Apprentice, there's a character who was brought into the Jedi Order at the ripe old age of five. And at one point they're like, we don't think we'll ever accept an old student again because they cling too hard to their past. And there was no real effort to, they just like allow, they like didn't really do a good job of integrating him. And you can kind of see how that led to their failures with Anakin and they're just kind of inability to try and meet his needs. Uh, and so, like, and like Anakin made his choices. Like, I'm not trying to absolve Anakin of his of blame, but there's it's just like this tragic confluence of the failure of systems that were supposed to protect him, uh, the manipulations of this truly evil person, and his own good intentions just leading him down this path of terrible terrible choices so and i have a question for you real quick um for those who don't know as, as you can tell diana loves anakin skywalker i do not it's sort of a running joke in our friendship um this divide between us did you like anakin in the prequel movies or did you really start to fall in love with him through like the shows and when other stories started coming out about him I, I didn't have quite as strong feelings towards Anakin until I started watching the Clone Wars because the Clone Wars, because, you know, it, it's run for so long and it is like an extended storytelling opportunity, does a really good job of highlighting both Anakin's strengths, which are how much he cares and how much he loves the people around him, both like not just Padme, but also he truly loves Obi-Wan. He loves Ahsoka. 
he loves R2, but it also does a good job of highlighting um, his flaws and how that love can turn really possessive and how he has this fundamental inability to let go. And it, and it does a good job of highlighting both the strengths and weaknesses and making you really care about, about him and just, again, hammering home that tragic inevitability of his fate. There are some really great episodes in the Clone Wars where they talk about the Force and the Chosen One. Um, the Mortis trilogy is really good, where basically, like, a little bit of spoilers. I, Anya, I know you're you're going to eventually watch it, but, like, you may not remember. Either way, Anakin gets a vision of the future, um, and it, it does a great job of showcasing just the fact that Everything he's doing is leading to his downfall, and there's nothing he can do about it. Um, and there's like choices being made around him, and his choices, and his uh, his his uh, inability, like Diana was saying, the inability for him to like stop caring. Like everything he's doing is like for the people he loves, even when he starts doing his evil shit. Um, and it's just sort of interesting to see how Clone Wars had was able to expand on admittedly paper thin plot of the prequels and like really take the characterizations that we know and love from like we Obi-Wan is my favorite character of the prequels Anakin you know he's okay but the Clone Wars Anakin is my favorite Anakin and that's yeah, so great that like the Clone people. Wars really the Clone Wars really does a lot of the uplifting of like probably probably like putting the the prequels in rose-colored glasses, but I also have a lot of fondness for those films even before watching the Clone Wars. Um I watched Revenge of the Sith a lot as a kid, like it came out in 2005. I was I was like really into Star Wars. I always have been and like I I watched that film a lot, guys. Like a lot. Like more than like a normal person should. Um, yeah. So, wait, what's it, your favorite prequel movie? It would definitely Revenge of the Sith. Diana? Mine is tied between Revenge of the Sith and Phantom Menace. And I think part of it is, like, Phantom Menace, just, like, it ha- like it does have, like, some not great writing. But it, I think it also does a good job of showing, like, the setting of how the, not only the Republic fell, but the Jedi fell. And, yeah, like, I- it is it is very much a like I was watching it last time I'm like oh yeah this is really a searing indictment of late stage capitalism. It's like the politics in the prequels are like they're written very poorly like they did not do well with the dialogue of like that kind of political corruption but like if you can get past that and really fascinating um if only George Lucas had like known how to like write an indictment of capitalism that made it dialogue that was like also accessible and not awful. Um, I'm with you, Diana. I'm, I, I love Revenge of the Sith, but Phantom Menace has a soft spot in my heart. And I think mostly for me, it's just Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Like I just have a lot of feelings about those two. Um, but yeah. So it's interesting hearing you guys talk about this. Cause it's like, it sounds like Clone Wars really, like you said, Willie, like did the heavy lifting of kind of adding all this like color and dimensions to the prequels that didn't exist in the movies. Um, And maybe these thoughts will change, but it's really hard for me to get behind a character who ends up killing like baby Jedi. Like, I don't know how I can like come to love Anakin knowing he does that. I mean, he didn't blow up a son. I mean, ooh, (laughs) shots fired. 
to to quote Anakin Skywalker, now this is pod racing. Um, <laughs> wow, Diana. Hey, listen, I, I we all have our trash sons. Some I of do. them just happen to have done some some not so great things. Um, to explain to people, Kip, who is not a canon character anymore. Um, he's in the New Jedi Order. He was a, like, fighter pilot with Jaina Solo. Um, and he's kind of a little shit. Okay, he's, like, a huge little shit. Um, and I love him and all his cock and recklessness and terrible He blew decisions. up a son. He blew up a son. Is he the he one with the Sun Crusher? Yes. Is that the Sun Crusher? Yes. It is. That is Kip. Yeah. Um, so I, I okay, like how but like blowing like, well, up a sun and like murdering baby Jedi in cold blood. Anakin fucked up. Like I love <laughs> who's I, to who's to say. <laughs> like like I said, I love Anakin, but I also it's very much like part of it is like cool motive still murder, but also right. it's just like again looking at all like the the really tragic combination of his choices and all the systems around him that should have helped him but just for various reasons failed yeah well let's be real here darth vader is a different character than oh anakin yeah darth Skywalker. vader is very different than anakin I, it's funny how like you know they try and like like because like i remember in english in high school freshman year english um i had a teacher mr garner he was basically my favorite teacher in the whole world he was like my mr keating he blew our class's mind we were discussing like it was like very basic english like things and he was discussing like you know protagonist antagonist blah 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 and he asked our class he was like who's the protagonist of the star wars films and everyone was like oh luke skywalker and he was like no the protagonist is anakin skywalker because with the prequels like he is the character you follow you know throughout um and like technically like you know other people are his and are his antagonists like he's not the hero but he's the protagonist you follow him um do you guys think that clone wars i'm i'm leading to a question about <laughs> this character um that we follow and as you guys said is different than darth vader do you guys think the clone wars combined with the prequels and stuff like laid good groundwork to explain how Anakin became Darth Vader? Okay. Yeah, yeah like, there's a lot, like, especially, so, there's an episode in season two where something happens with Ahsoka, and she and Anakin are separated, and Anakin's trying to get answers from someone, and he just, like, goes full-on Darth Vader. Like, they're not subtle. They, like, play a bit of the Imperial March, and he's, like, force-choking someone. Like, they aren't subtle, and they do... And it's, like I said, it's very much his choices are made by this deep desire to protect those he cares about, but he has this fundamental inability to know when to let go and step back. And he, like, he cares so much to the point it's really unhealthy. Yes. What it is, is that he's afraid of, for their safety. He gets a little bit angry. gets a little bit hateful. Mm-hmm. And then in 19 BBY, he starts suffering. Yep. So when you guys say that Anakin and Darth Vader are two different characters, um, <clears throat> do you yeah. think that like they were 
and I mean, I, I know like you said, like they're laid the groundwork, but like, do you think you were able to marry the two well, or do you think it is just a fundamental thing of like Darth Vader came first and when they wrote Darth Vader in the original trilogy, they didn't know this entire backstory with Anakin yet. And you just can't kind of marry those two because that's not how like time works. I don't know. Like I definitely can like, I think especially with the Clone Wars, they just, they, for me at least, they did a really good job of just showing you all, like all the steps that led to the point where Anakin accepts Sidious's offer and revenge of the Sith. And, and okay. So like, I don't necessarily like, I think Vader is a facet of Anakin. It's all of his bad intention, like his bad choices. Like uh, it's him like trying so hard to turn off that caring. He just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm mixing fandoms here. Like, you know, that quote from like when Buffy and when Faith is like, you just keep digging yourself deeper. Like when, when she starts falling, mm-hmm. to, like that's for me is Anakin where, okay. He fell and he just sees no way out except through. So he just keeps digging. And like, I'm going to quote the Revenge of the Sith novel because I do have it with me. Please do. Um, He's like, yes. Anyway, so at the very end, there's this, because like at the like throughout the novel, there's this whole thing where Anakin like feels like there's this dragon talking to him. And then um, here it is. Uh, but you remember, you remember all of it. You remember the dragon that brought you, that you brought Vader forth from your heart to slay. You remember the cold venom in Vader's blood. You remember the furnace of Vader's fury and the black hatred of seizing her throat to silence her lying mouth. And there is one blazing moment in which you finally understand that there is no dragon, that there was no Vader, that there was only you, only Anakin Skywalker, that it was all you. Only you. You did it. You killed her. And, like, I'm not joking when, like, the Revenge of the Sith novel is, like, one of the best Star Wars novels out there. Uh, it does a really good job. It kind of highlights why I love Revenge of the Sith so much, like, as a movie. Like, it kind of, like, I, when I look at that, I also look at the novel in terms of, like, the storytelling. Yeah, and, like, at the very, very microphone problem anyway at the very end like they have this thing where it's like the dark is generous and it is patient and it always wins but in the heart of its strength lies lies weakness one lone candle is enough to hold it back love is more than a candle love can ignite the stars and it's just like matthew stover's writing is just so good i think that the way the prequels has laid out the differences and similarities between anakin skywalker and darth vader showcase the fact that Anakin sort of like when he becomes Darth Vader and accepts the fact that he is now a Sith Lord he really does try to bury and separate Anakin Skywalker from his psyche as a Sith Lord which is why in Empire before uh before he reveals to Luke that Darth Vader is his like he is Luke's father he's talking to the Emperor and no one else is around he says the son of Skywalker. Like he definitely, he doesn't say my son. He says Anakin Skywalker's son. Like he is and like in clone wars. No, sorry. In rebels, there's a moment where, um, where he meets Ahsoka again as Darth Vader. And he basically, uh, quotes Kylo Ren and says like, I killed him. I killed Anakin. He is dead. 
the I destroyed him. The Skywalker men are a bunch of dramatic dumbasses. Oh my god, they're, they're so, so dramatic. dramatic. Oh my god, they're the most go, dramatic bitches it show, ever. It goes to show that that Darth Vader has done some real, like, psychiatric work to just not talk about Anakin Skywalker or like really separate the two in his own mind. Like he, it, it's. I think it's the crack. It's when Ahsoka shows up in Rebels is the first crack in his in his armor, and when. Luke comes in is where that armor breaks and he can be redeemed in at the end of Return of the Jedi. Like they they are they lay the foundations for Darth Vader's rise, but then in Rebels they start laying the foundations for his fall or I guess his redemption, I guess. And and the way that they do that in Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, like in Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader's like it's too late for me. Like I I I fucked up way too much. But Luke's like, nah, you're good. I can still, I can see it. Yeah. And like, there's all this about like what you, like the, the novelization, like if there's still light, like that won't, the darkness can't extinguish the light. And yeah. so I think that there's an interesting, like he does go full genocide. There, you yeah. cannot deny that. And then he gets redeemed by his son at the end. And I think mm-hmm. that it's sort it's this long tale of a man, of a, the rise and fall of a galactic hero. Yeah, and I think too one of the things I like about the new literature is or is in legends that were very much like oh Vader turned towards the light he was redeemed he was Anakin it was like Luke was kind of shouting it to- from the rooftops like towards the end of legends where in the new canon it's still like. Vader's legacy still looms large. Like, Bloodline is all about, like, Star Wars. Oh, yeah. So by Claudia Gray, who, like, Anya, if you're going to read any of the Star Wars novels, read everything by Claudia Gray because okay. it's all fantastic. Okay. Lost Stars. I've been talking about Lost Stars since the first you episode of this podcast. Lost Stars is so good. You um, That's true. But, any, but anyway, so in Bloodline, like, a huge plot point is Leia's parentage coming out. Like, the fact that Anakin Skywalker is her birth father and it's very like it there are consequences to that information coming out because no one has like the galaxy has not forgiven Vader the galaxy still remembers him as this genocidal figure of evil and Leia hasn't really forgiven him and so like that for me like one of the things that was hard for me to accept in Legends was the fact that she would name a child Anakin and not Bale, whereas like in the new canon, she like she is still very much wrestling with um, the fact that she is descended from like even though Bale Organa like is her father, the fact that she shares blood with Darth Vader is still something that she is wrestling with. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the thing for me is that like. Um, I love Luke Skywalker um, with every fiber of my being. Um, I think he is not a whiny child. I think he is a perfect little hero. Um, And also Ryan Johnson did him justice. Anyone who disagrees, come fight me. Um, But it's like, I don't think that Luke is the one who gets to decide that Vader is redeemed. Like, I love their moment in Return of the Jedi. And I don't begrudge Luke at all for that. Um, And I think that Luke can, you know, individually decide to forgive Vader. Um, But it's like... Luke wasn't there when he became Vader and he, he wasn't involved with, you know, the political dealings of the galaxy, the way Leia was growing up. And so like Luke didn't see everything that Vader did. And so like the idea that like Luke is the one to redeem him, even though he wasn't actually affected by 
all the decisions Vader made. I think that's really interesting, the idea that, like, Luke can redeem him, but, like, the rest of the galaxy is like, okay, but we remember what he did, and we have decided not to forgive him, because it's like, he's still, like, he committed genocide. Yeah. We have decided not to stand. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that is is it. It, Pretty much. And it's really interesting, you know, I... It's, I'm gonna, so I'm going to bring this into the present now, um, and for the last little bit of this, ep- of this episode, we're going to talk about kind of Star Wars now, um, and um, I know Diana wants to discuss why it's so good to be a Star Wars fan right now, but it was interesting because my girlfriend and I were having a discussion about Kylo Ren, um, and I quite like Kylo Ren as a character. Um, I think if you look at just the movies, so not Clone Wars or anything like that, I feel like just the prequel movies and just the movies we've had so far now, I think that Kylo Ren is the better antagonist than Anakin Skywalker. Just looking at movies and writing. Um, and whether or not Kylo Ren will be redeemed. Um, and I think they are setting him up for a path of redemption, although not by death, because and that is a cop-out. But I brought up the idea that, like, okay, so if they redeem Kylo, but, like, does that mean everyone like, has to forgive him. Like, someone like Poe Dameron, like, who was personally tortured by Kylo Ren and who has grown up with parents in the Resistance, like, if Kylo is redeemed, does that mean that every character redeemed, like, forgives him? Can someone like Poe Dameron actually forgive him? And I just find this very fascinating, and this is why I love Star Wars and all this black and white and bad and good guys. So what do you guys think of Kylo Ren? I... I, so, and... I am sorry if I'm going to accidentally, like, draw down a horde of angry, angry stands on you. I apologize. But, yeah. like, so much of, like, my antagonistic feelings toward Kylo are, like, driven by the fact that there's a certain subset of fans who will create pins that say, feminist icon. I'm like, mm, can we not? No, I completely agree. It, yes. <laughs> that, I'm like, it's icky. Raylo yeah. is also super problematic like I cannot get behind that ship anyway so I I do think Kylo is a good villain I honestly I have like this very the only way I could see him like on the path to redemption is if they take like a Fire Lord Orzai route where he's deconnected from the force where and that and like there is precedent for that in Legends um, where in like the really, really far back of the galaxy it was like, I'm blanking on Buddy's name, but there was someone who like fell to the dark side and they took away his force powers. Mm-hmm. And that's legit the only way like I can personally see it because like, you know, you know how I talked about like with Anakin, like so much of the tragedy is like his well-intentioned choices leading him down. Yeah. Well, Kylo has also been not making well-intentioned choices, but he has been making choices, and his choices are very deliberate turning away from the light side. And so, like, that, for me, is why I'm, like, really hesitant about, like, him getting redeemed, because I think they've been doing, like, this really good job of showing, like, him making these choices. Yeah. And I think if they take a really quick route for redemption, it would cheapen a lot of the storytelling they've been setting up. I agree. My girlfriend thinks he's going to be like a Zuko. She thinks she's going to get the Zuko type redemption. And my whole thing is that like, regardless of whether or not he's redeemed, I just refuse to let him be redeemed through sacrificial death. Because I think that is like the weakest way to redeem a character. Because like you're saying, Diana, like he has made, he has consciously made these decisions. 
and he is, and they are not well intentioned. It is not to like protect the people he loves, a la Anakin Skywalker. Like it is just him falling to the dark side and de- as he said, deliberately turning away from the light. And so like the idea of him dying by sacrifice and like that's how he's redeemed is so cheap, as you said, because it's like the I feel like the only way he can be redeemed and it for it to be satisfying is if he lives and has to like struggle to redemption. Because, like, that's going to show that, like, you know, he has to actually, like, amend for all the decisions he's made. But I just, I don't know if I can, I feel in Last Jedi. Like, I feel like, cause, because now he is making decisions as an individual by, like, killing Snoke and everything. Like, I'm, I don't know. I'm very curious about Kylo Ren, but I feel like they are setting him up for redemption. Or at least not like Palpatine level villain. Yeah. I think the way, the reason he killed Snoke was because he was mad at Snoke, not because he wanted the power of the Supreme leader. He was, I think he was mad at what Snoke was doing to him, where he's like calling him like a fake Vader and like, not like just a boy. And I think that he took the opportunity in the throne room to kill him because he's uh, impatient. And he wanted, he wanted just to, for that to be over. And I think that, I think he still is, he still, it's sort of the opposite of Anakin, where Anakin fell to the dark side and has drawn to the light. And, or no, sorry, what am I trying to say? Kylo Ren actively chooses the dark side, but is pulled towards the light and is trying to make those choices to be more evil. But he still has like, conflict i guess like i mean he does in the way at least the way adam driver the the way adam driver plays it is that there's always so much conflict on his face and i think adam driver is a really great actor and he showcases that kylo ren is not just a mustache mustache twirling villain he's not general hawks general hawks (laughs) listen Um, donald gleason is a gem in these movies he's great hysterical but he is a mustache twirling villain he is exactly and kylo is not that yeah kylo is like oh like, he's always got conflict on his face, even if what he's doing is decapitating the Supreme Leader, but not because he's overthrowing the, the First Order from within to be a good guy. He's doing it because he was mad at him. And then he's like, well, I guess I'm in charge now. Yeah. Yeah. Diana, were you going to add anything to? Also, Kylo and Hux are totally hate-fucking. Oh my god, they absolutely are. Like, completely. Um... So yeah, so I'm very curious to see where Kylo goes in this final installment at the end of the year um, and what they're going to do with him. Because um, there is a precedent of redemption in the Star Wars universe. Like that is kind of a, a, a theme we have seen time and time again. Um, and so it'll be curious to see if he goes down that route and how they write that for him. Um, but entering into the last segment of this episode, um, Diana, you mentioned before we started recording that right now is a very good time to be a Star Wars fan. Yeah. So why do you think that? And let's let's talk about that to kind of end our episode on a good note. Yeah. So like in addition to episode nine coming out this year, like the publishing arm of Star Wars just has so much good stuff coming out. So like Marvel and Del Rey are doing like this crossover thing where Marvel's publishing like this Imperial TIE fighter um, com- mini series that's like about this elite TIE fighter squadron. And then as the counterpoint, Del Rey is publishing Alphabet Squadron, which is 
my hope going to be the spiritual successor to Wraith Squadron because I love Wraith Squadron and I miss them. And Hera is going to show up in Alphabet Squadron. She is General Hera Sandula. Um, and yeah, and I'm really looking. And so there's that. There's um, the Galaxy's Edge tie-in stuff. So you have um, Black Spire, which is the adult novel by Delilah S. Dawson, which is ha- which is reuniting, which is bringing back Vi and Good Soft Boy Cardinal from her Phasma novel. And then you also have Zoraida Cordova, who's writing the YA novel. And then they just yesterday announced the journey to the rise of Skywalker publishing arm. And you have Rebecca Roanhorse writing Resistance Reborn. And Rebecca Roanhorse is like this ama- like really good up and coming author. Like she won both a Hugo and Nebula award last year for a short story. She won the Camp- Campbell award for best new author. She's up for Hugo and Nebula's again for her um, debut novel. Uh, I, Trail of Lightning and then she's also like has a Rick Riordan Presents novel coming out in early 2020 like she's this huge up and coming author you have authors like Justina Ireland who's writing the middle grade novel which is going to have Rose, Ray and Poe off on an adventure um, you have the comics which like Afra is fantastic. You mentioned the Poe Dameron run, which is also good. Um, you have, let's see what else. You have the video games too. Like I haven't played the Battlefront story campaign, but I know friends who have, and apparently it's amazing. I loved it. It's the, really good. I loved the tie-in novel Inferno Squad. Um, and then there's, I'm a little less excited about Jedi Fallen Order, which is the video game dropping in November, mostly because I'm very tired of white dude protagonists. Um, but it's still, you know, I'm going to get it because it's a single player story driven game, which like EA doesn't do a lot of, which, and I want to support it. And then, you know, you have Clone Wars season seven, which is coming out, which is going to destroy me because we're finally seeing the siege of Mandalore and Ahsoka gets her lightsabers back, but then Anakin, <laughs> Obi-Wan go back towards Coruscant and then it all ends. And oh. Diana's very emotional about this. I, I have so many feelings. Um, but yeah, there's just like a lot of, and Galaxy's Edge is opening up uh, Disney World and Disneyland. So like there's just so much good stuff out there. And then you have Resi- the Resistance TV show. Um, I've, yeah. I've watched a couple episodes of it. It's pretty good. It's a little bit, it skews a little younger, um, at least the first couple episodes that I've watched. It's not as it, it might get more in depth and dark as the as all these shows have gotten, but um, I liked it so far. It's Poe Dameron's in the first episode. It's very good, like voiced by Oscar Isaac. Yeah, amazing. Um, uh, um I will so also yeah, add that I'm excited. Yeah, Willoughby. I was excited. I'm also excited for Timothy Zahn's third Thrawn novel in this tra- in the the new canon. Um, I think it's called Treason. Uh, so it's going to be very ex- interesting because the way that they've set it up is that the first Thrawn was about his origin in the Empire, and then the second one was like a a, um, a flashback with uh, his time uh, in exile, meeting Anakin Skywalker, as well as a present day uh, mission with Darth Vader. So it was like goes back and forth between the two timelines, and Padme's in that too, and it's very good. Um, and then this third one, I'm not sure what it's going to be about because I, I don't want to. Orson Krennic. Sorry, oh, is it going to be about Orson Krennic? 
Krennic's going to be in it. And not only is Krennic wearing a cape, but one of Krennic's aides also wears a cape. Oh, very good. Um, and I think that, yeah, like I'm, and Timothy's on who wrote the first Thrawn trilogy, the, the, the Thrawn trilogies, like is back writing Thrawn in the, the new canon. And I think that that's really cool that they were able to do that. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that. Um, I'm excited for Fallen Order because I am a white haired, oh, oh, a, a red haired white man who's like, Ooh, <laughs> it's very rare for redheads to have like protag. Um, but also, like, I do kind of wish they did a, a KOTOR situation where you could design your character. I feel like that's a that's a story that's what that was like a great thing that KOTOR did, where you, or Knights of the Old Republic, I should say, where you could just like choose male or female, or you could choose you know what you wanted to look like, and then that factored into the storyline. Whereas this one, it's like, no, you're playing a, a, a motion capture person because I think they're like we could do motion capture now, so now the character's gonna look like the actor, um, who's a great actor but it's still a white man. So I totally get that. But also it's like uh, lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, there's a new inquisitor and I'm really excited to find out more about her. Mm-hmm. There's so much I still need to catch up on. Um, <laughs> but I, I agree. I mean, there's so much content happening right now. Um, and I really like the way that this new content is also um, expanding the idea of Star Wars and and legacies and its themes. Um, I know that we will not know until the final movie comes out, but I am still hoping that Kylo Ren was telling Rey the truth in Last Jedi and that her parents really were nobodies. Um, because well, here's the here's the misconception. He didn't say it. She did. She said that her parents are nobodies. He oh, just right. says you know the truth. That's my theory, is that it was always, it's always been, and uh, someone pointed out, someone, you know, because a lot of people have been rewatching the films, and I rewatched Last Jedi last night, someone watched The Force Awakens and did a screenshot and showcased that in The Force Awakens, they say that the people that you're looking for aren't coming back. Yeah. And, like, that's what um, uh, Maz Kanata says to Rey when she, after her Force vision, where she's like, you know the truth, you know that those people are not coming back, what, what lies for you is forward. And so yeah. they've yeah. been setting up the fact that I don't think that JJ is going to call Rey a Skywalker. Like my, I, I talked about this on the trailer reaction episode, Skywalker, my theory is going to become a title. It's going to become the new Jedi order. That's like, what you're going to be a Skywalker now. Yeah. And I think like, she's going to like take that last name. Like if she doesn't take yeah. Skywalker, she's going to take solo because Han was very much in like peak grumpy dad mode with her. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Yeah, and I just, I, I and I, I like that so much more of, like, Skywalker as, like, the legacy rather than, like, she is a Skywalker because, I mean, I just felt incredibly moved in The Last Jedi by the idea that, like, because, you know, Star Wars is so much about, uh, like, legacy and these, like, great figures and families and bloodlines um, and the idea that anyone can, you know, have the Force and be a hero, um, you know, with Ray, or even if someone is like seemingly insignificant as Broom Kid, um, I think Ugh, that Broom Kid, Broom Kid, I just I think that is a really profound statement, and I think means a lot, and I think is something that's needed in Star Wars, um, and so I really hope you guys are correct because I like the idea of like Skywalker just becoming kind of a title more than like 
continuing this bloodline and like you're only the hero who can save the universe if you are actually a Skywalker. Um, the only known person I accept Ray being is a Kenobi because I've my dreams of the Kenobi bloodline being continued, but I know that will never Which happen. Would probably be that she's she's uh, probably half a Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's Clone Wars is canon. It, I just I love Obi Wan so much. Anya, so it's this is the book that if I could swap any like replacing a new canon book with a Legends book, this is the one I would do. Okay. Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. It is phenomenal. It's Obi Wan. Like freaking and, out, you guys. Yeah, it's so it's Obi Wan in the first days of his exile on Tatooine, mm-hmm. and it's very much a Western novel, and it's like. Obi-Wan doesn't really have a point, like, he's not the point of view character, it's other people. Okay. But it's, like, it's so good. You do get some meditation narrative, narration from Obi-Wan, like, kind of every other chapter begins with him narrating, like, like, what he's been up to, he's talking to Qui-Gon, he's talking to Yoda, like, he's, like, doing the force, you know, like, praying to to Qui-Gon's force ghost, and, like, why, and then, but he also, he mentions... Duchess Satine, he mentions other things, like, but, okay, so Kenobi is so good, I recommend it. It's so good. Also, it's, because Obi-Wan's my favorite character, I was super glad they finally gave him, like, a solo book, and I I was hesitant to get into it, because I was like, how much interesting can Tatooine be? And then Mm -hmm. it got really interesting, because it was about this community who was dealing with, like, Tusken Raiders, and inter- inter And water. Inter- water like in, and like intercommunity squabbles and like this new guy shows up and kind of throws everybody for a loop and it's so fascinating and so well done i highly recommend it uh, it's not very long uh, at least the paperback version wasn't like it's definitely something you can read pretty easily it's a western it's obi-wan kenobi is is very good it has various uh capable ladies which i also appreciate love yeah that's amazing yeah I definitely I've been aware of this book so I definitely have to read it um as well as Master and Apprentice um but I obviously know that Ray will not be a Kenobi um it's just like my secret fan and heart dream um but you know Ray being just Ray and being kind of the hero I think is really special um and I just agree with you guys I think we're in a really special time for being Star Wars fans and there is um a lot to be excited about and, you know, I think this is a good place to wrap up the episode. And I will say that both Diana and Willoughby have got me slightly reconsidering Anakin Skywalker. Uh, if anything, if anything, watch Clone Wars and uh, make yes. a judgment after Clone Wars. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because Clone Wars will, will definitely expand your horizons on the capabilities of Anakin Skywalker's characteristics. He still hates sand. That's still a thing. <laughs> it's... Um, it is rough and coarse, and it does get everywhere. In the Clone Wars movie, otherwise, he goes back to Tatooine with Ahsoka, and he is just so unhappy about it. He's so done with Tatooine. Yeah, watch the watch the movie and then the TV show. Because um, they what they did was they made the TV show the first three episodes into a movie. They released it ironically by Warner Brothers, um, and it wasn't a Fox production. Um, and then watch the rest of the show. Because it was on Cartoon Network, which is owned by Warner. Right. Yeah, which is sort of interesting because, like, Fox would I, like Fox is always like, um, properties, and then they were like, oh, I guess we we sold it to Disney now. Um, 
but yeah, definitely watch Clone Wars. Uh, I would like to say before we wrap up here that I think Star Wars is uh, one of the best things in my life. It has brought many friends into my life. You guys, um, I have so many friends from high school that I've connected over like through Star through Star Wars. Like I spent so many summer so many summers like no no uh, so many days over one summer playing both Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic two with one of my friends like we would just like just go because i had not played the games and we we played them both through through one summer between freshman and sophomore year of college uh the force awake the force unleashed games are really good like i connect through star wars which i know people are always like oh liking things isn't a personality but i'm like it's part of my personality like i connect everything through star wars and like i definitely see modern day politics through the lens of star wars because that's what george lucas was doing when he yeah. wrote the the phantom menace there's a direct callback to george w bush in revenge of the sith yep there's a lot that that um there's a lot there and i think that it's okay to be like hey yeah the rise of these white supremacists can be related to what those stormtroopers are like there's like there's so much there um there but yeah no i love star wars i think that i was rewatching the last jedi and the final shot always gets me. The broom kid who raises his lightsaber, raises his broom like a lightsaber, and is wearing the rebel ring and just looks out to the stars and thinks one day I'll be up there. And he uses the force to bring the broom to him. And it's it's this the whole thesis of all 40 years. It's why we're talking about it today, is yeah. that shot, is that it showcases that, you know, these are these are stories that we love. These are stories that we tell each other that we communicate and connect with. And I think that that's beautiful. I agree. And I think that's a wonderful way to wrap up the episode. Um, tune back in sometime in the future to see if Anya has become an Anakin Skywalker fan. Although Jedi Master Kip Duran will always be my number one trash Star Wars child. Are but... you going to be a, you're going to be a Stanikin? <laughs> you can't see Anya's face, but it's great. Well, it now is... I'm not. <laughs> um, anyway, we're ending I this now. I should never learn what stand meant. No, you shouldn't have. Uh, damn you, Eminem. Um, all right, let's end this because I I can't top that. Um, and we, we have one on, more segment. We will move on to our last segment of the episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. So Diana, as our guest. Please tell us what you are really liking this week. Sure. So I have two things. So the first is a book. It is not a Star Wars book. Um, I know. But it's Anne Leckie's The Raven Tower. And I read this a few weeks ago, and I'm still thinking about it. So it's Anne Le- So Anne Leckie, it's, uh, she primarily had written science fiction in the past. She had written... Uh, the Imperial Rock trilogy, which like won a ton of awards. She wrote Provenance, which is set in like the same universe. And the Raven Tower is her first epic fantasy. And it's so like, I can't talk too much about it because it's spoilers, but it's basically, it's like Hamlet retelling. (gasps) This is the one I was telling you about. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And it's, just this book about language and conquest and the stories we tell. And it's like, I can't talk too much about it because like talking too much about it is spoilers, but it's so good. And 
one of the characters, Iolo, is my precious son, and he must be protected. He is not. He's um, the Horatio. <gasps> okay, well, Horatio is my favorite character in Hamlet, so you yeah. already sold me. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so good. Um, so, yeah, The Raven Tower by Anne Leckie. And my second one is the new DLC for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It is um, the first episode of the Fate, Fate of Atlantis. And so I had really loved Assassin's Creed Odyssey when I started playing it. It's like this really, really epic story. You get to choose whether you're playing uh, Cassandra or Alexios. I chose Cassandra because, obviously. Um, My I girlfriend love, did, too. I love one buff Mystios. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the first DLC was really disappointing, and I wasn't a huge fan. And it kind of turned me off the game for a while. But the new DLC, Fate of Atlantis, is so good. It's just like very like deep world building and lore stuff and it like ties in really well to a lot of things in the base game and it's setting up just some really epic stuff um in the next few episodes which are dropping over the next few months and it really brought me back to what I like about this game and I'm really excited to see where it goes next and if um you're on the fence about getting any of the DLCs, skip Legacy of the First Blade and just get Fate of Atlantis. That's good. My girlfriend's almost done playing the main game and I'll let her know if she's going to download any DLC about it. She wants to cosplay Cassandra and it's it's such a... she's I, I've been like kind of like watching the game as she goes through it and I really find... I always find that the lore of these Assassin's Creed games to be so fascinating, just like the idea of it all. And like this game taking place in ancient Greece uh, is really cool. It It's kind of interesting because I'm also reading the Percy Jackson books. So it's like all this, all this Greek lore and Greek myth is like coming at me at once from two sides. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's so much good lore um, in these games. And like, I love Cassandra a lot. The voice acting for her is so good. I agree. Amazing. All right, um, Willoughby, what are you liking this week? A powerful women's story, Knock Down the House, Netflix's documentary about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and three other uh, women who ran for Congress in 2018. Uh, I was very much affected by this story. It's very beautifully told in terms of the, 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 the races that these women are all... Uh, up against in 2018 as we you know we know the story pretty much the story of how AOC became a congressperson but there's a lot that we I didn't know about her and like the 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 documentary goes into that there's three other women who were running for races in uh, Las Vegas uh, Missouri St. Louis uh, St. Louis and then in West Virginia Um, I'm blanking on the names I should have written them down um but they are they're, they're just telling like basically these stories of how these women were affected by the politics of 2016 and how our the nation has let us let them down and how, what they're doing to fight back and to run for congress and uh it's really it's powerful it's affecting i think it's a really great documentary about this new wave of uh women who are running for for congress and for other um, for the Senate and for other like state local stuff. And I think that it's uh, hopefully not the last of this sort of like blue wave that we saw happen in 2018. Um, yeah. Knock down the house was a really good documentary and it's on Amazing. Netflix. 
yeah, I definitely need to watch that one. Thanks. Um, so my really like is sort of only tangentially related to pop culture. Um, but I am really liking my new home. Yeah. Um, my roommate Dana and I moved a couple weeks ago. Um, still in the same sort of general area in LA, um, but just the new space. Um, and it's just the two of us now. Our other roommates moved out uh, to live in a one bedroom together. And I'm just loving our new apartment. It's fun unpacking and kind of creating a new aesthetic and new space for yourself to live in. Um, and yesterday, this is where the pop culture comes in. Yesterday, we started putting up like our first art. And so we currently have a superhero wall, um, oh. which we have a Captain America shield hanging in the middle and then art all around it. Mostly Marvel, but some DC. I have like a Bat Kids print and a Supergirl print and we have the Iron Giant up there. Um, but so we're very excited about this like marble wall. I'll definitely take pictures once our house is a little more organized. Um, and we're planning like a Disney wall and we have Harry Potter art and other miscellaneous art. So it's just really fun, you know, being able to show off your tastes and um, create a new space for yourself and uh, let it represent who you are. So I'm just, it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, we are still nowhere near being like done, but it's been fun, and I love showing off all the nerdy fandom in my life. So oh, great, yeah, it's exciting. Yay. I'll send you guys pictures later. Um, yeah, when it's more done. Um, so yeah, so and after this episode, I'm gonna go keep unpacking. So you know, um, all right. Well, that is our episode for the week. If you guys want to come chat with us about Star Wars, we will get deep into it with you. Um, or anything yeah, else. Yeah, we really got into the weeds here. Yeah, oh, we... yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was the best. That's what I was hoping for. Um, or anything else we are liking this week, um, including um, moving, or if you have any fun fandom pieces in your house, um, Knock Down the House, the documentary Netflix, uh, The Raven Tower, or, and I'm gonna, I'm forgetting the last thing you said, Diana. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, yes. Any of those things, if you are enjoying them too, come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress. Review, subscribe, and listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at Anya Crittenden on Twitter and Diana. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BookishDi. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.